Welcome to another fun-filled edition of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakeena McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. And you can follow this program uh, for this podcast, Second City Sports, which is part of War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you download your podcast, make sure you search for War on Anchor. We are also on iHeartRadio. When you download the iHeartRadio app, please, please, please type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. You can search for Second City Sports and all of our other programming from War Media. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. That's W-A-R-R Media. You can not only hear us do our thing, but you can watch us live. Here we are. Hello. 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 <laughs> we got it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not blame Lamont, even though he's not here the, this week. So, but right. we, we, we we're working on it. We're working on it. Still practicing. We're still practicing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be joined by ESPN's Brook Rise Road in a little bit. But Sid, um, the MLB has announced all their post postseason winners. And if you guys listened to the previous podcast from Monday. We were wrong on most of them, but we were right on some of them, too. <laughs> um, of course, the, uh, the headliner for here is Chicago. Jose Abreu has won MVP for the White Sox. He's the fourth White Sox to do it. The fourth Cuban-born player to win the honor. And I think we kind of – we called this early in the season, you know, condensed season and all. But I think this is very deserving by him. And if you saw his emotion when they announced the winner on MLB Network – you can kind of felt that emotion for him. And you, you guys who know his story, he came here mm-hmm. a few years ago. He left his family behind. And then his, his family was finally able to join him. He was able to kind of settle in and sort of being the great player that he has become. So, Sid, what do you, what do you think? Do you think it's deserving? Of course, I'm sure you, I'm sure you think it's deserving mm-hmm. as well. But, uh, what do you, but uh, tell us your thoughts. I think he, of course, he was deserving of the award. He was the best player uh, in the American League from day one until the end of the regular season. I know yet other candidates as Nelson Cruz from Minnesota, DJ LeMahieu of the Yankees as well. He had a couple other guys uh, chipping in their bid. I know Tim Anderson was in it for a while. Louis Robert, the rookie outfielder for the White Sox, was in it for a minute. But Jose Abreu was consistent from day one until the last day of the regular season. He played every game, which is commendable, even though it was a short and 60-game season. He had 19 home runs, averaged 317, and he had 76 hits off of 240 uh, plate appearances, scored 43 runs, collected 60 RBI, only walked 18 times, and his OPS was at 370. Uh, how, how can you argue with those numbers? And, and we had uh, uh, our friends and colleagues and experts on throughout the season, and, and I expressed my uh, opinion to them that I thought that this was uh, the year that Jose Abreu would take a step back because he didn't have to carry a team like he did throughout most of his career. But as, you, as we saw throughout the season, the reason, one of the main reasons why that White Sox offense is so dangerous it was, it was because of Jose Abreu. Yes, Tim Anderson set the table. Yes, Louis Robert did his thing. Yes, you had 
Edwin Encarnacion here and there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hit home runs. He had other guys contributing, but Jose Abreu had monster numbers because of, of, of the contributions of those other guys. His numbers obviously did not take a step back. He actually improved because he had better talent around him in that lineup. Yeah, he was top five in the AL in many categories. In RBIs, where he used to retire for the league, he finished second in home runs, finished fourth in, in overall uh, batting average. So this is very deserving for, for him. And he was consistent through throughout the 60 games. Yes, it's only 60. I know people want to kind of, you know, makes it say like you know, all these awards should have an asterisk because it was only a shortened season. But still, you can't argue with the numbers. And, you know, he was a big part of the, you know, the White Sox going back to the postseason for the first time in a dozen years. And he was one of the main reasons why. So I think this is totally deserving. You know, this is very, you know, he's very worthy of this award. And, you know, we'll see. I know there's been some other stuff that kind of came out off the field. We won't, we won't discuss it. We'll probably wait to discuss it on, a, on, a, uh, on another podcast. But, um, you know, if you're, the White, if you're a White Sox fan, you got to be feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, so if you're a White Sox fan, you should feel pretty good because coming into 2020, COVID or no COVID, this thing was expected to take take the next step. And they did by making the playoffs. Of course, they made a managerial change at the end of the year to bring in Tony LaGrusa. And so they now, there'll be targets on their back to expect them to win the whole thing within the next couple of years. Now, Jose Abreu, uh, thank goodness he's going to be a, a part of it for the next couple of years, of which the contract that he signed in the offseason. So uh, he's one of the cornerstones, not only on the field, but off the field as well. And, you know, he's helping Johan Makata, who struggled this past season. Of course, he had COVID, but he's also um, a barrier between the uh, man. He was a barrier between ma manager Rick Renteria and the rest of the Cuban uh, born players on that team. So he's kind of what you call in a respectful way the grandfather of that clubhouse so he's really one of the cornerstones of, for this franchise yeah definitely probably I know we we say that maybe Eloy is a face or that maybe Tim Anders is a face but you gotta think that Jose Abreu is probably the face of the White Sox right now even though yes he's a little he's a little older than both of them but you gotta think he's kind of the face of the team because of his consistency Yes, he's, he is the face of, of consistency for the White Sox lineup. As I mentioned before, uh, he had to carry the lineup as the team was going through his transitions, trying to find the key players. And even though he had a couple of down years around 2015, 2016-ish, he was still uh, he had still put up respectable numbers. And as I mentioned before, when he had uh, when the better talent started to come around for the last couple of years, it only made him that much better. All right, let's go through some of these awards. The rest of these award winners real quick. Freddie Freeman won NL MVP. I know we all I know we all paid Mookie best, but you know, Freddie Freeman's deserving. You know, he he actually you know finished second in OPS in the in the league, finished you know, leading the league in in runs. I, I think the numbers I think you can kinda I know we you picked bets because of what happened, you know, they kinda inspired the Dodgers, but mm -hmm. numbers wise individually, I think Freddie Freeman was definitely deserving for the NL MVP. Yes, I, I was going to make a big fuss about it, but it's really going to fall on deaf ears. I'm not going to say that Mookie Betts was robbed, but we all know that the game of baseball is a game of numbers, and Freddie Freeman deserved it based on that. But I think the bigger impact, I know Lamont's talked about it all year long as well, that Mookie Betts has had a better impact on the Dodgers. We already knew that the Dodgers were a stacked team from top to bottom with their hitting and their pitching, but 
but the Dodgers, uh, their game was taken to the next level thanks to uh, Moogie Betts. Joining us right now, she's a Chicago native. We'll discuss that later, even though she's uh, born, born uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. She's the college <laughs> basketball uh, reporter and analyst for ESPN. She's also a sneakerhead, and we'll get into that later. We're also going to talk about her career uh, um, going up to this point. She's the one, the only, the beautiful and talented Brooke Ricebrode. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Brooke Ricebrode. Once again, at Brooke Ricebrode. Brooke, welcome to the program. How are you? Thanks, guys. Nice introduction. And uh, yes, I do feel like a Chicagoan at this point. Like, I wasn't born here, but I say I was made here. Right, exactly. You're, you're an official Chicagoan, Brooke, now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that, how are no, y'all doing no. today? We're doing good. Yeah, we're doing just fine. Ready to good. talk some hoops. Yes. I'm ready. Been ready since March. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, tell us your thoughts about that because neither the men's or the women's, you know, tournaments uh, took place. We were disappointed. Sid and I were disappointed when we first started doing this because of, you know, March Madness. I thought on the women's side there was a good, like, 15, 20 teams that probably could have won it on the women's side and also probably the same two on the men's side. So, well, what did you think about what, what, what transpired when both men's and the women's tournaments were canceled? Uh, disappointing, and it was the right thing to do. Um, I was actually flying into Dallas when I, when I got the news and, you know, opened my phone. I landed in Dallas, opened my phone, and scheduled a flight back to Chicago, and, you know, I've basically been here ever since. Um, I'm with you, though. I think, you know, this year we had – we had the most parity we probably ever had in the women's game. And to me, it was going to come down to South Carolina or Oregon. And I was team Sabrina all day. So I just thought the destiny was there and, and, you know, the Kobe magic would have followed her all the way to the, to a championship this year. So it was, it was a bummer to see that, you know, the tournament didn't take place and, you know, we're just fans and, and, you know, we work in the industry. I, I, I can't even imagine being a college basketball player, you know, what that felt like for them you know, some of them literally getting pulled off the floor, you know, as they were playing. Um, but certainly the responsible thing to do. And, you know, it's crazy to think we're, we're, we're basically still in the same position. Um, we're actually worse than we were in March in terms of cases. Uh, we've got no vaccine. We got half the country still not acknowledging that they should be wearing a mask. Um, it's a hot mess. Um, but I give credit to the kids who are still out there, you know, working and just, they're just controlling what they can, you know, they're, they're trying to get better. These coaches are trying to implement, um, practice plans with six kids and they've got, you know, some cases, then, then they're trying to reschedule games and figure out a bubble. And I guess what's frustrating, I'm sure not only for them, but for the rest of us is that there's been no clear plan. There's been no leadership, no direction on how to, how to contain this thing. And, oh, here we are, you know, a week or two out from the season. And it's like, well, what are we doing? Well, and what do you expect? You know, without any leadership, you really can't um, have expected to, to have anything planned at this point. So everybody's just been up to themselves. Myself, along with the Lakina, we were having those talking points throughout the summer, Brooke, about college football. You saw how that played out. Of course, they didn't start on time. Of course, the Power Five conferences, uh, they're um, running by their own merit. Like you say, when you don't have uh, uh, leadership at the top, um, uh, I hate using this phrase, but I'm just using it respectfully for this conversation. You like the inmates run the asylum. We saw that in college football. Of course, the Pac-12 joined in late 
And, of course, they had to have a couple of games postponed last week uh, due to uh, positive testing throughout a couple of the teams. But getting back to basketball, I'm just asking this question in general. Uh, I was actually looking forward to the women's tournament this year. I'll admit I don't watch it as much, but I have been keeping up with it for the past couple of years, and I'll bring the WNBA into this as well. Do you think that women's sports in general, in particular basketball, has given uh, the respect that it deserves over the last few years? Um, not given, but started to notice, right? Um, we see again, the last two years, the ratings for the WNBA have been up uh, double digits. And I want to say it was still in the, in the 30s um, this year. And even you see the NBA ratings decline, but you see the WNBA ratings uh, improve. So I think we're starting to see um, people taking notice. And, and that's really, really encouraging. Uh, you're seeing more media outlets, more social media outlets being created and covering the game. And I mean, that's just, that's just awesome because you're the best athletes in the world. You know, basketball is the same game. And, you know, I guess my point was always like, it's not these ladies' jobs to market themselves, to put people in the seats, to sell tickets. Like, that's what the executives are for. That's what the media is for. That's what we're all here to do. Um, so it's really, it's really encouraging to see that it's, it's on the up and up. Um, I don't think it's, we've even scratched the surface um, I think the, the pinned tweet I still have on, in my Twitter account is that, you know, less than 1% of sponsorships goes to women's athletics. And I just can't believe that because it's like, well, you don't think we have money? Like, we, you know, we're out here sneakerheads. We're out here wanting, we want the gear. Everybody <laughs> got sold out. You know, what else you guys got? Like, give us more stuff to buy and we'll buy it. Exactly. And it's nice to see, I know you did analyst work for the Sky for a couple of years, so it's nice to see that even here in Chicago, people are seeing that, hey, you know what, the Chicago Sky team, the WMA is actually pretty good. They got Allie Quigley, who I've been a fan of since she was at DePaul. You know, it's nice to see that her, her game has transcended in the WNBA. James Wade, who's a, a great coach, you know, is probably one of the rising coaches in WNBA. And I think I, I like the fact that here that it's good to see that people are watching the WNBA here in Chicago. They are watching this guy, and this guy has had, you know, playoff success. So what, what do you think? Can they, can they kind of sustain it? Can other, other WNBA, WNBA kind of as a whole kind of sustain this sort of momentum? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's, it's really growing and I, I give them a lot of credit for the way that they, you know, not only were able to handle the bubble, but I mean, the WNBA is leading the social justice movement, period. NBA can go out and try to claim it all they want, but it's been the ladies since a few years ago when the Minnesota Lynx came out and wore, you know, wore shirts, made their statement and, you know, got basically, you know, in a way reprimanded for it and still stood their ground. And it's just, Amazing to see when athletes are put in that position, not only to perform, but, but to be, um, to stand up for justice and, and to stand up for what's right. You know, you really start to see the effects of it. And, you know, we're seeing that now in, in, in Georgia with, um, you know, with the runoff elections now and, and the impact that that could have and, and really what the WNBA started. So like, I'm, I'm really proud of how far it's come, where it's, where it's gone and, um, this was going to be the sky's year. And unfortunately you saw injury after injury. Um, you got to have diamond to shield as a part of that team. Like she is, she is so essential, you know, Sloot, Quigley and diamond to shields. Like, I, I don't know if you can get a better backcourt than that. They're they, well, I mean, Sue Burr is pretty good as well. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. She still got it. Yeah. I don't, don't want to step on Sue's shoes, but you know, I'm just, <laughs> 
we're Chicago fans, so so I love I love our backcourt. Brooke Riceboro of ESPN is joining us here on Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Brooke, let's go over to the NBA. The Board of Governors, along with the Players Association, have approved the 72-game season, which starts on December 22nd. Free agency starts next Friday, November 20th. The draft is on Wednesday. But I'll ask you this, this question first. I know there was talks about starting the season on Martin Luther King Day in January. Some, um, Of course, LeBron James and the players, quote-unquote, they wanted to start later, and understandably so because they were the last – uh, one of the last teams to play in the in the NBA Finals back in October, of course. Uh, teams like the Warriors and the Bulls, they haven't played since March, so they wanted to get the season going. I wanted to ask you, was that the uh, right situation for the league to start around Christmas? Because we all know that it comes down to money. Do you think that was the right decision, or you, did you think they could have started later? That's that's a really good question, and, and I – I really trust the players association and, you know, Chris Paul, who heads up that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. one of the big, in, in the big leadership roles there. I think those guys have, have a great rapport between them and the league. And I don't know, honestly, that I have an opinion. I mean, I, of course I'd love for it to start, you know, sooner um, to have yeah. something to watch as a fan. Um, as, as COVID is concerned, um, I don't know how like the Warriors are trying to spend all this money to have testing done and have fans in the stands. And I mean, we, we know, we, I don't know and ex- have experience, but you can only imagine the impact of playing a game without fans in the stands for those guys. Um, having watched it, it's, you know, it's different. It's, it's weird. And I think TV did a tremendous job of trying to recreate what that atmosphere is. Um, and so I read, you know, where the Warriors are taking every precaution in terms of like testing. Um, people can't sit, I think what, like the first six rows are going to be plexiglass. Uh, you can't eat or drink um, if you're sitting in those closed seats. So it, they're trying, right? And I think because mm-hmm. we all don't know what this is, we don't have a plan. That's all you can do at this point is, is try. Um, I just, to me, like I look at Chicago's positivity rate, we're over 12%. It's like, we were just at 2% and Mayor Lightfoot was talking about, well, if it gets up to 4%, we're going to, you know, really have to take strong measures. Like where are they at? You know, the whole country should be <laughs> down right now. Yeah. You went from two to four to 12. Like this is scary. And yes, I would love for entertainment and normal life to be back. Um, we are not there. We are skyrocketing in cases right now. So um, you know, selfishly, I want the game to be back. I want to, I want to be traveling myself. I, I want to be calling mm-hmm. college basketball games. Um, I don't want to see anybody die. Any more people die because of COVID because we're all wanting to get back to normal life. And I mean, this sucks, but like, let's bite the bullet and get rid of this thing. And also the travel thing too, that's going to be the big issue here. Sid and I were in Lamont, our friend Lamont, our other friend Jason were talking about it too, that, it's going to be interesting to see, are they going to keep it regional? Are they going to maybe just, you know, all the East Coast teams play East and, you know, divisional games and such, and also same about West. So what do you think is going to happen with the scheduling? Yeah, how are you going to do that? And, and I mean, for the NBA, you know, they all have private planes to, to fly around and do their thing. Um, for colleges, I know that they were trying to schedule, you know, like say within their conference, do back-to-backs and try not to do overnights and all of these types of things. Um, you know, but again, it's not like each team has a scientist and, and, and a doctor of, you know, epidemiology and, and infectious disease to make sure everything is okay. 
Um, so, you know, how, how do you control that? Because you know, we've already seen some of the WNBA players who've gone overseas um, have contracted the virus as well. So it just goes to show it's, you know, they're not immune to it. Um, anybody can get this thing. And, and again, we don't know the effects of each person that it's, that it's having. You know, some people is nothing. Some people are, are migraines. Some people are now we're finding have mental illness three and four months after the fact trouble breathing, heart problems. It's like, I just, it just makes no sense to me why we're risking all of this um, for the sake of entertainment. Yeah, sticking with college basketball, Brooke, of course, uh, the news came out yesterday that the Ivy League has canceled its winter sports, including college basketball for the 2020-21 uh, winter sports season. I was, I was going to ask you, uh, we talked about uh, lack of leadership with the NCAA at the top. There's no leadership. Have you gotten a, a memo from ESPN yet or where you will be traveling or, or do you know when the season starts? Because I know we've been lost uh, in the shovel with all the other sports, but it seems like the NCAA is, uh, well, it seems like college basketball is, is usually supposed to start now, but it's going to start later this month or maybe early next month. Have, have you gotten a memo from ESPN on when this is going to start and when you're going, to, going back to work? Uh, so I have not received a schedule just yet, um, which is okay. definitely different from, from years past. And what I do know is that I will be setting up my office upstairs with some production equipment um, to call games from home. So I've been, I just moved into this house. So like, I only have a gray wall upstairs in my office. So I'm like, mm, I got to decorate. <laughs> so this is like my first, it's, it's hard to see, I guess, but it's a, it's a drawing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, playing basketball. So um, that's like one of the things that, that I've gotten, but um, yeah, you know, I think, I think um, it starts with the conferences. You know, the conferences need to get their schedules in place. And um, like I just saw the SEC release their schedule today. So that's kind of how the, how the dominoes fall. Um, the conferences have to get their schedules in alignment. Then they um, give it to, you know, basically like our programming department who take a look at, you know, what the best matchups are. Um, they put those games in the right slots, whether it's, you know, a primetime game on ESPN um, or ESPN2 or like a lower viewership type game that might go on ESPNU or, or even news. Um, from there, that's when the assignments are handed out, you know, to the talent. So um, I've just tried to stay um, out of bugging my bosses for, for a schedule <laughs> because I know yeah. that they're getting bugged. Yeah, I'm getting, yeah. Right. I'm sure they so are. Like, I, patience is not my strong suit, but uh, 2020 <laughs> has taught me. You, you better learn, you better learn. So um, the answer, I guess, to your question is no, not a whole lot other than, than you know, likely calling games from home, which is what you've seen a lot of from, from announcers this year. Yeah, it is definitely a different, you know, aspect, a different dynamic. You guys have to, you guys are so used to being on campus, you know, you know, uh, you know talking with the fans and whatnot. Now you guys are going to be, you know, calling games. Cause we, we've seen it this year, you know, so far with the college football for the most part. It's, is it going to be weird having to call games from your home office? Well, I'm grateful that I moved out of the city to the suburbs because there is no way I could call a game from the middle of Chicago in between sirens <laughs> and, you know, roommates. So in that turn, in that sense, like I'm, I'm grateful now I have this space. Um, I've, I've done it before uh, calling games remotely. Um, it's, you know, obviously it's not ideal. 
and you, you lose a lot of the creativity that you're able to have when you're on site, when you can read body language, when you're not, um, you know, you're only given cameras one or two when, when you're looking at a screen. So, so you can, technically you could do the job. You know, it's, um, you know, it's my 16th, 17th year. Like I know how to do it. I love it. And, you know, you can sit down and just watch a game and call it. Um, yeah, the unfortunate part comes with that chemistry you develop with coaches, with players, with, with the students and the fans that are there and like, you know, the atmosphere, there's no mistaking what that is. And that's the hard part of losing that connection, you know, not only for us, but, but again, for the athletes and the coaches and the university and, and the students who go there, who pay tuition to go there, um, who can't attend, attend to these games right now. Um, so what we do, you know, likely we'll, we'll have Zoom meetings and Zoom calls just like this. Um, I'll, I'll plan to, to read absolutely as much as I can and probably ask coaches if they're willing to let me watch uh, practice videos and, and practice film um, because you can still pick up things and, you know, no, no matter what, like we have to create something out of what we're given right now. You know, you can't just kind of throw your hands up and be like, well, this sucks. You know, we can't, we can't do this. Um, Cause as long as they're going to be playing, like I'm, I'm grateful to have an ability and, and opportunity to call the games. Brooke Rice Broad of ESPN and a Chicago homegirl joining us here on Second City Sports, along with LaKenna McGee. I'm Sydney Brown. Brooke, let's turn the page and let's focus in on your career. We're going to have some fun with you for these last several minutes here. When I first discovered you, of course, which led me to um, – watching you on ESPN was there was a short-lived sports radio station called 87.7 the game here in Chicago you worked on the famous Cap'n Hall show with David Kaplan and David Hall and you were the update anchor for that show how did you uh, get that position what was that uh, experience like um so Cap was was instrumental in, in helping get me on the show um and I'll tell you a funny story about how I got to know Cap um from 2000 five or four till about, well, basically till about 2012. Um, I had a regular career in sales. I was in scrap metal sales and, and metal sales, which is like the most opposite thing you could ever do from TV. But you know, that's what I was doing. And Cap was speaking at this networking event um, out in like Lombard at, you know, some, some uh, women of, of metal industry networking night, like just the most random event ever. And knowing who he was, I thought, mm, I'm going to bring my, I'm going to bring my reel. So I put together, you know, my little DVD, my reel, and I walk up to him and I'm like, Hey, you know, would you take a look at this? And that's how we got to know each other. And so we just kept a, we kept a rapport over the next few years. And, and I remember having lunch with him and thinking like, you know, wow, I just, I would love to be his Robin Quivers to his Howard Stern type of personality, <laughs> but, but um, so the game, you know, came about and, and unfortunately it was, it was short lived. Um, it, it was, it was such an awesome experience and one that was um, like, when people talk about the grind, like I really have a lot of respect for Cap for what he does. He does mm -hmm. three hours of radio, TV, the man, you know, gets up at, Four, probably 4, 4.30 in the morning, works out twice a day and is able to carry on a radio show for that long. Like that takes an incredible yeah. amount of focus, energy, passion. And, you know, and he has all that. Um, sometimes it was like, 
so much that I was like, I don't even know if I want to get involved in this conversation, but like, why do I got to tell you that Jay Cutler is the worst quarterback in the history of the bears? And why do we still have him? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It's like, what are we doing? Um, And so, you know, it was, it was interesting. And, you know, I can only, I, I just, you know, we started to get into some pretty serious and heated conversations and like that, that was really different for me. Um, you know, I've never been in, in those types of situations where radio is like, you know, it's, you're going to be on here for a long time. You better have an opinion. You better have mm-hmm. some things to, to kind of back that up. So it, uh, it really challenged me in that sense to be, to be strong and to be truthful in my word. Um, and, and I enjoyed it and I miss it. I miss it so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I wish, I wish things had gone differently and we would have been able to carry it because it just, it seemed like it was really getting, getting some steam. Um, but you know, for me, like, I know I don't want to talk about football for three hours a day. Like, no, (laughs) I can't can't do it. Um, and unfortunately, like there's not really a space to talk about the bulls or, or, you know, that type of net, like, I I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that is a a platform here that Chicago is ready to receive. Um, if it was, I'd be right there and ready to do it. Yeah, do you, do you think that kind of made you a better analyst, though? Even though, you know, you were you know, talking about sports that you're not comfortable, not to know too much about, but do you think it made you a better basketball analyst? I think it made me a better writer, and I think it made me a better um, reporter on the air because, you know, there were some days where, um, you know, I got some of the stats and the updates wrong, and, and you know, and I heard, I heard about it. And it makes you be like, you know, this is not a place where you can have mistakes. And, you know, looking at you and I know, and, and Sydney, you can probably empathize with this, but like women have no room for error. We have no, yeah. no freaking room. So if I say Oregon and it's Oregon state, like pe- people are going to just say that I'm the dumbest person on the planet, which is like crazy because you hear men make mistakes all the time yep. um, on the air. Mm-hmm. So it helped me definitely develop a, a thicker skin. Um, it helped me to have like a, a, a quicker wit and sense of humor um about myself and just to take things in stride because you are going to mess up and you are going to have really uncomfortable and awkward conversations and it's and and i'd say also lakini like yeah maybe a better analyst but analyst in in um in humanity because news comes out about and this is you know going back years ago but you know Adrian Peterson and um Ray Rice those were like the Mm -hmm. big topics that were going on at the time and I'm thinking, well, if I'm the CEO of the NFL, like you're not going to play for me anymore. And I can find plenty of guys who don't have domestic violence on their record who also are good football players. Why do we have to give these guys another chance? You know, it's not, oh, they need a job. Like they can go shovel snow. They can go be an Uber driver. I don't care. But if I'm running a league, I don't want domestic violence as a part of my as a part of the stain of, of a league that I'm trying really hard to uphold the reputation for. So I, I really got to like um, stand in those strong opinions and, and really feel like the vitriol from people who didn't agree with me. And it was like, dang, okay. Okay. All right. Brooke, you're also involved with community work here in Chicago. Of course, a friend of this show and the other show that I produced, the Dean Davis Show, now that Davis Show is uh, your good friend and our good friend, uh, Cameron Smith from MSG and CN100. You guys are involved with community work and out doing uh, projects around the Chicagoland area. uh, Tell our audience, how did you get involved in 
making a difference not just in people's lives but also in young african-american children's lives uh, well yeah shout out to cameron because i feel like he's so he's so connected and you know especially this summer when you know we were having a lot of the you know situations with stores getting broken into and, and communities needing cleaned up it was just like hey cam where are you at you know um mm -hmm. let me come meet you and let's let's do some cleanup work uh but initially i was i was trying to create um a method of income for uh, times in between the college basketball seasons and i was like oh i'll just do some camps and make some money like that was going to be the easiest thing in the world mm -hmm. where learning professional athletes hold free camps and they still have trouble getting kids to attend. So um, seeing that and then really seeing the need for, uh, for Chicago kids to have a safe place to play. Um, you know, we all know when the weather gets nice here, it's, it's means more trouble for, for, you know, shootings <laughs> and situations where kids can't go outside. And, yeah. you know, I didn't grow up like that. I, you know, my mom was like, get out of the house. Don't come back here till it's dark, you know, and <laughs> stay here. <laughs> Right. Me too. I mean, that's the Me way too. Right. Good times. And, good times. Right. And we we're so fortunate for that. And I never want to take that for granted because I, I, I can't believe now that there's that that's the situation for kids is that they can't go to a playground and play because they might get shot. Like that's just it's so it's just so sad. And, and I wanted to do something about that rather than be like, oh, poor them, you know, because that doesn't help any kind of the situation either. So. Um, Skills and Score is, is a uh, nonprofit organization. We put on free sports and arts camps um, for Chicago public school kids. And, you know, we have programming. We just, we need a little help with the space. Um, we could use a little help with, you know, getting some t-shirts or, or food and, and all those kind of things. But really like, I, I love the fundamentals of the game and we try to teach, you know, rhythm dribbling and, and teamwork and footwork and all the little things that we would have picked up in basketball camp where, um, you know, again, like those things don't exist anymore. Kids walk into a gym and they're trying to shoot a three from half court. And I'm like, no, let's come over here. Let's get <laughs> shooting. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <Come on. laughs> let's get your form down. Then let's step back a, a foot and, you know, really work on that. So it's kind of like just being old school about it, which I mean, I hate that word. I don't want to be thinking about us as old school, but dang, here we are. <laughs> There you well, go. <laughs> exactly. Let's lighten it up a little bit here, Brooke, in these last few minutes we have with you. Um, your sneaker collection, I mean, I remember years ago when you were on the game, the old you know, 87.7 the game, you were talking about your sneaker, sneaker collection. Now, has your sneaker collection grown? <laughs> and do you have a, have like a, a particular space or room in your house for said sneaker collection? <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of laugh at the term sneakerhead because I feel like I am not educated enough to be a sneakerhead. Sneakerheads <laughs> know, they know the model, they are on the sneakers app, they know when things are getting released. I am a sneaker appreciator. And uh, I do have, I, since I, I was telling you guys, I just moved. So I got a, a huge shoe rack and, and kept my shoes downstairs because I'm trying to be good about not wearing shoes in the house. <laughs> and um, yeah. I, would say, I would say my collection hasn't, it, it hasn't grown because I also try to, um, to give shoes away as you know as the years go on and, and things like that so um, I'm very appreciative for anything that you know comes my way through through Nike or Jordan and you know um, I just I just got a new pair of the I think the Kyrie sevens that came through um, a couple weeks ago I absolutely love them and yeah it's really like Jordans are it for me I mean if the ones and, and the 11s I, you can't get enough of those 
So if Nike or Jordan's watching, I mean, you guys, I, I, I'll rep you hard. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Lakina stole my last question from me, Brooke, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it as my thing. I do have a kind of a, a surprise for you. I love Jordans just like everybody else, but there's a few pair of shoes that people have been sleeping on. For those uh, listening exclusively on the podcast, I'll explain it the best way I can. You can go to our YouTube page at War Media to uh, check this out. But uh, I have just a couple of pair oh, to show everybody. <laughs> They're better than Jordans. I am showing the red LeBron James 13s. These you cannot get enough of. I bought these earlier this year, bro, of course, when everything was shut down. Thank you to eBay. All these babies are rocking style. You can't go uh, go wrong with the red. And look at the look with the star on the side. And of course, you got the Nike swoosh. Yeah. So you can't go wrong with that. And I also have, and I bought these for my birthday. So this is LeBron James 14. Also, the red with the black stripes. So, so I don't want to make you jealous of anything, but I just want to show people out there. I love George just like everybody else. But there's also a few pair of shoes there that can. Uh, they can be in the same room with Jordan. I just want to uh, tell some of the young kids that. I agree with you. One more pair, the, the 95. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. pair. No, those are my favorite. Yeah. Tempos, come yes, on. Yes, yes. <laughs> These are the special edition Chicago Bulls, Scotty Pippen edition. The year that I'm Michael so Jordan jealous. came back, 95, the black and the red. Dude, oh, around those a little are bit. awesome. Yeah, I, I bought these two a few months ago, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are nice. Yeah. And I, yeah, agree with you you. On, uh, I agree with you on um, LeBron's shoes. Where, where I started to fall in love with his were, were the 15 and 16s. And, and it's funny, I actually wore those. I was going downtown yesterday, and I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to drive. So I took, I took the train and ended up walking mm -hmm. about eight or nine miles yesterday on LeBron's. And I'm like, God, they're so comfortable, man. Like, he needs they to are. do this. So I, I agree. LeBron... I think they got better as, as yeah. his uh, model got a little bit, you know, more sophisticated. Yep. Totally agree. Uh, last question for me, um, with all, well, back to the college hoops for a second, with everything going on, you know, Seton Hall, they've now had to pause some of their basketball teams and then they may have to, they may have to, uh, you know, push back on some of their, um, their scheduling. Do you think, and also a few others too, you know, do you think there's going to be a basketball season? Will it start on time? Will we actually have a tournament next, next uh, spring? Mm, that's such a good question. I, I, I don't know, like everybody else, right? I think they're planning for it. Um, and I think you, you're really going to find out in the next week because I've read some articles that say, you know, hey, let's push back into to starting just the conference season. Um, selfishly, yes, I would love to because that means I'm working. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with whatever happens because it's more the safety of the kids, the coaches and, and the students that I really care about. Um, and it's, it's hard because, you know, I thought last March, I was like, wow, I could really see, I can really see it being another year and a half before I work again. And here we are. And it's like that, that's a real possibility. All right. All right, that was Brooke Rice Broad of ESPN College Basketball Analyst and Reporter. Brooke, before we let you go, I just want to give you two thumbs up on your post on IG a, a couple of weeks ago uh, during the election. I know you were helping out kids. I actually made a, a comment uh, on your post that um, you was you were busting out the running man, showing the, showing the new kids little something. Where did that come from? Still got a little something, you know. I'm a, I'm a '90s child, so we don't we don't lose that rhythm, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You got to tell them what's up. I, I like that. I like that. I like that. <laughs> right. That's really Even though I am a black American with two right, two right feet, but I, 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 I'll give you props for that. I'll give you props. I'll give you props. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate this. This is cool. This is so much fun. All right, bro. Thank take you. care. Good luck with everything. And we'll have you on again soon, okay? Can't wait. Thanks, guys. All right. Stay yeah. safe. Thank you. You too. All right. And that was Brooke Ricebrode of ESPN. She's that college a uh, basketball analyst and reporter. Lakina, did you have fun for these past uh, several minutes? That was a lot of fun. You know, I've been a fan of hers. You know, I actually remember, I didn't get a chance to, but I actually remember actually watching her play over at Coastal Carolina. So, I, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've known yeah. about Brooke, you know, for a lot of years now, and I'm glad she's doing well. And she actually, you know, I'm glad she kind of agrees with us with a lot of, you know, what's been going on, especially with the college mm -hmm. hoops, especially because I think Seton Hall, I think UConn, you know, there's talked about maybe they might want to delay the start of their schedule. And um, on the women's side, I think Cal State Northridge, I believe, you know, they've canceled their season because a lot of their players have opted out because of, you mm -hmm. know, COVID concerns. So, it's going to be very interesting to see if, if and when the, the hoop season starts you know, and if we do have a tournament this year. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm hopeful that we have a tournament this year, Lee Kenan, because um, we talked about it um, when we started doing this, our shows remotely, that um, the, the March Madness, just, of course, it brings in a whole lot of money to all these programs. We all know that from the business side of it. But from the other side of it, as a sports fan, especially the first three days of the, of the tournament, of course, it starts with Selection Sunday uh, with the kids' reaction, especially all those schools on the bubble. Then you get to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the first weekend of the tournament. There's just nothing like it. And, of course, you wrap it up with the Final Four, the first weekend in April. And we didn't have that this past year. So uh, I just hope that history does not repeat itself from that standpoint. Of course, we had our uh, good friend Spiro Ditas from Turner Sports and, and CBS on uh, uh, earlier this year. And, he, uh, you know, he calls uh, college basketball games for CBS. And he said the same thing. It was like, you know, uh, uh, the kids had to learn that everything in life you can't control, I mean, which is true. And I, th I thought that we would have saw something magical what that would have been, we'll never know, unfortunately. And that's something that we're going to have to live with. But like I said, I hope history doesn't repeat itself uh, coming this season for college basketball. However they do it, just, I just hope that they do it safely and we can get uh, uh, March Madness back this year. I'm, I'm confident in that. Not saying we, we're not going to have a bumpy road, but I, I'm pretty confident that we're going to see it this year. I, I hope I'm just so. hoping, uh, like everybody else. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, too. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping because, you know, we were, like Brooke said, we were robbed of perhaps maybe seeing Sabrina Ionescu, perhaps maybe capping off her career with a championship, you know, with mm -hmm. Kobe and everything else. So I, I hope so. I mean, it's good. Like, like you said, it's probably going to be a couple of bumps in the road, but um, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, fingers and toes crossed that we yes. do get a chance to have a college hoop season for both the men's and the women's. Yes. All right, so you want to finish up our baseball discussion real quick before we take a timeout, or do you want to take time out now? Yeah, let's, let's finish. Uh, just a couple thoughts on the on the baseball. I know we, we were kind of uh, interrupted there, but it was a good interruption. But yeah. just to wrap on the baseball, of course, uh, Freddie Freeman um, won the NL MVP award for 2020. Yes, baseball is about numbers, but I thought that Mookie Betts had a bigger impact uh, on the Dodgers. Yes, they were a stacked team, but uh, I thought he made a bigger impact. You saw that throughout the regular season. Yes, it's a regular season award. I understand it, but you saw that 
uh, in the playoffs as well. And if it wasn't for his defense and his intensity, the Dodgers wouldn't have won the whole thing. Uh, congrats to Freddie Freeman for winning the award. I'm not going to make a big fuss out of it here. I'm not going to say that Mookie Betts got robbed or anything like that because I, I, I really don't have anything, you know, just fake outrage. I, I, I'm not going to do that, but I, 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 I would have given him that award, but I'm not going to, you know, create fake outrage. It's just unnecessary. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to grammar about it either. Like you said, said, a lot of times with these awards, it's about the numbers. And Freddie mm-hmm. Freeman had the numbers. Like I said, he was, you know, top three in many of the categories in the National League and the hitting category. So I'm not going to gripe about it. I, he, like I said, he was my sleeper pick, if not Mookie. So, you know, it, it, it happened. So not going to gripe mm-hmm. about it too much. Now for the Cy Young Awards, you know, we all, we actually got these, right? <laughs> Shane Bieber, the first unanimous, you know, choice for mm-hmm. AL since 2011. Had a, a record, you know, 41.1% strikeout rate. Had the lowest qualified ERA, 1.63 since 69. So he definitely was deserving of the of the Cy Young and the AL. Yeah, he may be one of the cornerstones for the uh, Indians going forward as they, they may be in another se- offseason of, of trade rumors once again, as we talked about on this show the last couple of years of Lakina. Uh, Terry Francona, their manager, he's managed some good teams in Cleveland, but they don't have the same financial resources as the Cubs, the White Sox. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> the White Sox, uh, the Red Sox, or the the Yankees and, and the Mets. I know they had a sale recently. So uh, it's unfortunate for, for Cleveland. They, they can't compete uh, for longer stretches like these other, other big market teams can. So, But congratulations to Shane Bieber, as we said, uh, on the show, he was the best pitcher from start uh, from start one to the last start of the season. So uh, he's one of the best young pitchers coming up in MLB. Yeah, absolutely, totally deserving. Also in the NL, you know, unfortunately, you Darvish finished second, but we all figured that it was going to be Trevor Bowers, Cy Young to win, and it was. You know, he led the NL in ERA, had a, mm-hmm. a ERA plus, you know, had a WHIP of .79. So you, you can't really beat those types of numbers. So he definitely deserved a term out. And we'll see, you know, do you, do you think maybe he might end up being a White Sox uniform? I don't know, but, you know. That's that would be nice, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. Let's see what Mr. LaRusso wants uh, Jerry Brunstorff to do now since he's the quote-unquote the, the, the main guy in charge. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. That will be nice because it'll create competition within your starting step. Michael Kopech, your job isn't safe. I'm just saying. We'll leave that alone. But uh, Trevor Bauer was the best pitcher for Cincinnati from start to finish, and he helped lead the Reds back to the playoffs for the first time in several years. You Darish, I know he struggled a little bit towards the end of the season. Uh, you really can't fault him for that, but he, he was the Cubs' best starting pitcher from start to finish, and you can't really get too upset with that. Would have it been nice as a redemption story? Yes, but you can't really be upset with that. You really can't. Yeah, he was definitely deserving of that award, and also rookies of, rookies of the year, Kyle Lewis. I know we all picked Lewis Robert, but <laughs> mm-hmm. Kyle Lewis, you know, he, he was the second rookie to lead his team in average in both runs, home runs, batting average, and walks, and, you know, robbed a lot of guys of, of you know, multiple hits and then home runs. And he could probably be sort of like that building piece because that Mariners team actually looks mm-hmm. really good for the next couple of years, so they could probably compete next year. So what do you, what do you think? 
Yeah, it would, nice, it would have been nice to have Luis uh, Robert win the award for the American League, but yeah, he had a, a last month of the season he struggled at the plate, so that's what cost him. But I believe I heard this, and I read this somewhere. This is the first time you have uh, both African American players representative each league to win Rookies yes. of the Year award. So congratulations to both those gentlemen. Yeah, Devin Williams from the Brewers, you know, the other... We can't get upset at that. Yeah, we can't get we... upset at that. I mean, look, we've been trying to get more diversity and perhaps maybe, you know, two African-Americans winning Rookies of the Year. I think that'll probably give inspiration to young African-American players that, mm -hmm. you know what, hey, you know what, maybe can make it in the majors. And, you know, both can probably be a cornerstones for their teams for years to come. Yeah. All right, well man. Well said. Managers, oh, well, thank you. See, I, I try, I try sometimes. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> Managers, real quick, we, we actually had this one right above the NL and the, and the AL. Uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky Rectorius, you know, finished third, but the winner, as we all expected, was, you know, Kevin Cash from mm -hmm. uh, Tampa Rays. And I, look, I mean, we're, we, you can't really fault too much of it because I think he was sort of one of the reasons, you know, why that the Rays got as far as they did making it to the World Series again for the first time in a lot of, in a lot of years. And number two, they knocked off the Yankees, even though the Yankees were injured throughout the season. They had to go through the Yankees to win the AL East. So uh, you can't fault them there. Oh, and also um, Don Madley from the Florida Marlins. He's just the fifth player to ever win a manager of the year and and, and MVP. He won it back in the, uh, I think he won it like, like in the 90s, I want to say, during those um, those Yankees teams. But also very deserving. Mm -hmm. He actually showing that he actually is a pretty good manager too. So, and Marlins made history too just a few uh, hours ago. Kim Young, she is the first MLB you know, first female GM and also the first Asian American GM. So congrats to her. Yes. And also too for the Miami Marlins, what a year has been for that franchise. You catch COVID, you go into the playoffs, you upset the Chicago Cubs in a wild card series. You pick up manager of the year, but you wrap it up by hiring your first Asian American and a woman to uh, be your general manager. Um, you can't go, uh, you can't go wrong with that. Only thing that's missing is a championship. I'm not promising the folks in South Florida a World Series soon, but uh, pretty, uh, 2020 has been a pretty interesting year, to say the least, and the Miami Marlins from the sports side of it represent that. Yeah, she's got three World Series titles, being an assistant manager for the Yankees and the Dodgers, so this is someone that has the pedigree, so this is not why I go. This is a, you know, a token hire. She actually is really good at her job, and she's mm -hmm. well-liked by a lot of her peers. So that's all you can ask for in, in this instance. And also, congrats to Don Mattingly, too. So, all right, Sid, are you ready to take that break? Yes, I'm ready to take a 20 and refresh and get back at them from the home stretch. All right, so we are going to preview Vikings and Bears. Also, we'll have our Week 10 NFL picks and also college football sort of now all in the upheaval because with canceled mm -hmm. games and, you know, final parent players and coaches being tested for COVID. So we'll talk about that, about mm -hmm. that and more coming up next. Second season sports, Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome back to segment two of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> Once again, I'm Lakina McGee. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. 
You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, CK80. That's S I D K I D 80. That's S I D K I D 80. And you can listen to this podcast along with the other podcasts from We Are Regal Radio. That's War Media, showing you up for you folks uh, by simply searching for War on Anchor, uh, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Wherever you download your podcasts, make sure you search for War on Anchor. Also, we're on iHeartRadio. Download the iHeartRadio app and type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube. You can only hear us. You can see us uh, do our thing as well. You can watch us live. We are at War Media once again, W-A-R-R Media on that YouTube. Hello. 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 Oh, that was, that was, that was, we're still working on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're still we're working on that. We're going to play while we're flying it, folks. Building that plane. All right. So let's you know, let's preview this Vikings uh, Bears game. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you probably said that this game probably was a, a, a surefire win for the Bears, but uh, not so fast lately. The Vikings have actually played a lot better. While the Bears have been, uh, as Sid has been saying for the last few weeks, Bears poop. So what do you expect? Hashtag Bears poop. Hashtag Bears poop. We got to get that trending. Uh, what do you think about this game? Well, despite what's been going on the last few weeks from the Monsters on the Midway, they still have a shot to win this game. Of course, Minnesota's coming in with a 3-5 and five record, 2-2 two and two away from their new digs for the last few years at that new Dome Stadium. I here here's the thing for the Bears. I think that they they have enough to neutralize Dalvin Cook. I don't think he's gonna run all over the Bears like uh, like he has run over the the Packers and the Detroit Lions the last couple weeks in the at the Houston Texans game as well for Mr. Cook. But I think the Bears will have enough to neutralize Dalvin Cook. Well, what I'm concerned about starting with the defense for the Bears is. Remember we talked about the game plan for the Saints a couple weeks ago, uh, um, Alpha Camara. Uh-huh. The Saints that you did not utilize him in the running game. They used him in the passing game and just ran all through the Bears up and down the sideline. I'm afraid that's going to happen again. And if that's the case, Minnesota always used those screens in, in recent years against the Chicago Bears. That Bears defense is a suspect to that. And if Kirk Cousins doesn't, if he doesn't turn the ball over, and they use that that Saints game plan from from a couple of weeks ago, it's going to be a whole world of trouble for that Bears defense. I, I'm I'm waiting for that aspect to play out. If it does, it's going to be a long night on the on the lakefront. Yeah, I think if you're the Bears defense, I think that's what you want to do. You want to see if you know perhaps maybe you know neutralize Dalvin Cook, where you kind of neutralized Derrick Henry last week. But like mm-hmm. you said, so if they can. If they if if the Vikings can do what the Saints did, using him, using Cook in that in that aspect, because that that's been sort of the vulner one of the few vulnerabilities of, the, mm-hmm. of that Bears defense, it's going to be a long long you know long night. And if you can kind of like you know force Kirk Cousins, who actually is believe it or not zero and nine, <laughs> you know on Monday nights, believe it or not. So that's an interesting little uh, stat that I just found out. If you can kind of sort of, you know, make him throw the ball, which, you know, we know that he's prone to throwing interceptions and sort of take advantage of that, then maybe you might have a chance to win this game. But I kind of have a feeling that 
I think Dalvin Cook, I think, knows that he might try to be neutralized a bit, so they may sort of try to use him in those sort of slants. So if they can, if the Vikings can succeed, and you know their defense actually been a lot is a, is a lot better. I mean, yeah, they don't, yeah, they don't have some of like the top you know guys. They don't have uh, Xavier Rose. They don't have Emerson Griffin mm-hmm. or guys like that. But you know, Harrison Smith is still there. Anthony Harris is still there. You know, they're 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 the defense is they're young, but they're actually are getting better, and I think they're getting more and more confident. So. If they see like red meat with that Bears offense as bad as it's been, it could be a long night for Kirk Cousins for Kirk, uh, Nick Foles, I should say, and the Bears offense. You mentioned that Vikings defense has struggled uh, throughout the season as they're going through uh, some personnel changes, but that secondary, even though a suspect on paper, is still pretty good. Uh, taking a look at the numbers. Uh, Eric Wilson, their linebacker, leads uh, the team in interceptions with three. Of course, Harrison Smith, as you mentioned, he's next in line with two. But you still have linebacker Eric Kendricks, who's been there for years. He actually uh, leads the team in total tackles with 84. He does not have a sack, but he can impact the game uh, from the linebacker's position, especially in that run game. So uh, the Vikings defense, even though there's a bunch of known names on paper, they they still can uh, get the jump though. We saw that last week with a, a victory over the Detroit Lions, knocking Matthew Stafford, their starting quarterback, out the game. Of course, we all saw what they did against the Packers a couple weeks ago in Lambeau. Also, you know, on the offense, you still got Adam Thielen. You know, he's still pretty good, even though he hasn't been sort of the Adam Thielen that we've known the last couple of years. And also Justin Jefferson, who was Joe Burrow's top target when they were at LSU. So. He's actually been really good too, so he he might have a breakthrough game this time. So it's going to be one of those things where who do you trust more? Do you trust the Bears' offense or do you trust the Vikings' offense? Do you think that the Bears' defense can kind of tame that off, you know, the Vikings' offense? But also, can the Vikings' defense sort of make mincemeat out of the Bears' defense and their inefficiencies? So it's going to all depend on who get who has a chance to exploit the other team's weakness more. I think that's an interesting point, and uh, and another aspect to keep your eye on for the Bears' offense. Assuming that David Montgomery, the running back, comes out of concussion protocol, will this offensive line, whoever's in front of him, will will they be able to stabilize their Vikings front front four and let David Montgomery go off? And number two, Allen Robinson. Yes, he had decent numbers last week, even although in a blowout. But can he take advantage of, of those young corners for the Vikings? Will he? Will he able to be able to have a, a, a breakout performance? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, and you might be right about that. But like I said, it's all going to depend on who who kind of like exploits the other's sort of you know shortcomings. I think that's going to be mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's going to be going to be the, the the key here. I mean, you know, I would say secondary wise, I think the Bears secondary, I think will probably has a you know fledged and you know the Vikings secondary, mm-hmm. the front seven. You guys think maybe the Bears will have a, a We'll have the edge there, but at the same time, though, that offense is still, it still, you know, infuriates me, Sid, and you know this, and I'm thinking, look, you saw what the, <laughs> look, you saw what the Colts did, you saw what the Saints did, you saw yeah. what the Titans did, and, you know, we had Kelly yeah. Anderson on, you know, that's an opportunistic defense. Like I said, we know Mike Zimmer's a defensive guy, and mm-hmm. I think he's going to look for that, you know, to kind of exploit that and kind of try to make, you know, make mincemeat and make Nick Foles sort of, you know, question some of his decision-making. And they look, Kendrick's may have a couple of sacks. Who knows? <laughs> He's due for it. He's yeah. due. 
Yeah, I wouldn't uh, put that out of the question. That very well may happen. But going back to the Bears' defense, they they will have an opportunity to uh, feast up on Kirk Cousins, not only with the pressure, but create turnovers. Yes, Kirk Cousins, take a look at his stats throughout the season. He has over 1,800 passing yards with 15 touchdown passes, but he also has 10 interceptions. And we know how uh, good that Bears' secondary can be with uh, provided with pressure from that front four. And Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, they'll be feasting up to, to perhaps have a couple opportunities to take the ball away from Kirk Cousins. And I, I think the, the Bears' secondary will be ready. Now on, Now with Dalvin Cook, he has a total of 12 touchdown, rushing touchdowns for the year. I, I, I want, we all said that we want to see him neutralize if you the Bears. But I'm really worried about Kirk Cousins. If the Bears cannot put any pressure on him, they, he could have a, a, a good night. And one of those players that can help Kirk Cousins have a good night is rookie wide receiver Justin uh, Jefferson. He has three touchdowns on the year. But this kid's starting to come on as of late these last few weeks. Of course, you still have Adam Thielen there. He leads the team in touchdown receptions with seven, with off of 37 catches for uh, overall 480 yards. And also they have a, a veteran tight end Kyle Rudolph as well. So uh, the Vikings, they have some weapons. It's just that can this Bears defense, especially that front three and front four, neutralize the running game and um, and cause Kirk Cushions to, uh, to turn the ball over a couple of times? Can they get constant pressure to the quarterback? If they can, they have a golden opportunity to win this ball game. But as we all know, Lakina, as we have learned for the last month, it all comes down to that damn offense. Yeah, that has, and I think, like I said, that that's going to be the thing. I mean, like I said, this could be a breakout game for that Vikings defense. They've been they've been looking for one all year. They've won a couple in a row, and mm-hmm. that, that that young, inexperienced front seven is getting better. And we'll see how the old line looks. Will if Cody Wire is it's going to even going to be back for this game on Monday? We haven't, you know. Uh, apparently, I guess Matt Nagy doesn't know, apparently, so I guess... <laughs> what does he know? <laughs> I, I guess, uh, but I think if he's not there, I think, you know, that front seven is going to make mincemeats out of Kurt, of Nick Foles, so I don't know. We'll, we'll, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in this game, Sid. I mean, I think a lot of things, a lot of scenarios could happen in this game, I think. Yes, a lot of scenarios can happen. The one thing that's frustrating about this is the Bears do have a chance, but will they take advantage of 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 the potential golden opportunities that the Vikings can serve up to them? Right now, I just don't know. <laughs> but that's why they play the games. Right, exactly. So uh, they, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I mean, like like I said, like there are about like a dozen scenarios that could happen. I mean, could we see maybe Nick mm-hmm. Foles having a breakout game and throw three or four touchdowns, and maybe you know Akeem Hicks has a pick six and they end up you know Bears winning, but also you know Kirk Cousins could have a three or four touchdown you know mm-hmm. passes, and maybe one of their defensive guys you know, has a pick six, or maybe Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. can somehow run through the Bears front seven and get two or three touchdowns and they win or maybe David Montgomery, if he's able to play, he'll has that. So, like I said, there are like about a dozen scenarios that can happen in this game. So, uh, hopefully this will be a good one. And sorry for uh, all, of, all of America, you know, and all you know, the football guys in case they stick again. But, you know, <laughs> we can't control that. 
Yeah, exactly. I know the Bears are on the current four-game winning streak from the of, um, beating Minnesota uh, going back to two years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll make our picks later, but like you said, like, it's a division game uh, in Chicago on prime time. Like you say, anything can happen. And that's what makes it so, so hard as a Bears fan. But that's what makes it so good if you're an NFL fan. Anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't know if Nick Foles will talk to Brian Greasy again. Who knows what will happen with that conversation. Oh, I doubt that. That's probably not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, um, no, we, we can, we can uh, guarantee that won't happen. But, uh, I mean, this might be a good one. I mean, like I, like I said earlier, Sid, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, you probably say this would have been an easy win for the Bears. But now, because you know, especially since the two teams are going in different directions, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. All right, and on that note. Let's get ready for our Week 10 NFL picks. Uh, I want to see Lakina tally up the numbers. Uh, who's in the lead? I know I missed out on are. a few games, including that still, Bears game. Up, yeah, you're, well, you're up. You're up. You're, up, you're still up like two games, Sid. I mean, yeah. Oh, even have, after all that. Yeah, after all that. Yeah, I think <laughs> Lamont, Lamont, gained, Lamont gained a game on you, but yeah, he, okay. you're still up two games. I'm the one that I'm the one that uh, had a bad week. You know, thanks a lot, Arizona. <laughs> I games. had some too. I have I'm like four games behind you now. You know, four games between us. You know, you and you know between first place and last. But you know, look, we're still. What about like, Jason? Well, he hasn't been sending me his picks. I, I think he's kind of oh, okay. like, you know, like, you know, forget okay. about it. But, okay. Yeah, you know, he's, but he's it, plus he's busy, so it, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it still should be fun here. So, uh, we got a long way to go since we're the ha- officially the halfway point of the season. Yeah, we're only a week. So, yeah, le- yeah. Oh, how, how about that game last night? I would have been wrong on that one. <laughs> My God. I wasn't uh, the Indianapolis. Yeah, the Indianapolis Colts got dominating Tennessee uh, on the road. Uh, Phillip Rivers actually showed up for once. Jacoby Brissett scoring on a sneak, quarterback sneak. Uh, yep. uh, he, uh, he's earned that paycheck as a backup, so he may be needed again before the season's out, but we shall see. But congrats to the Colts on their victory last night. The AFC South, was as, uh, South race, as we told you before the season started, even though I did pick the Colts, uh, is going to go down to the wire. I know those two teams face each other one more time before the season's out in, in uh, Indianapolis. So uh, that race is going down to the wire. Could very well end up being for that division, too, in their second meeting. Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right, first up, we've got – and I got Lamont's picks, folks, so don't worry. Um, in the NFC East, pff, uh, the Eagles and the Giants. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Who's playing the Giants? Uh, the Eagles. Uh, give me Philadelphia. Uh, I have Philly, too, and so does Lamont. So, no worry, folks. I got Lamont's picks right here. Um, next up, we got the Jags and the Packers. I know the Jags, the Jag- Jaguars, like, they, they kept it close last week, but I think Aaron Rodgers is probably going to have probably his best game. I know they lost one of their uh, fullbacks for the year, but I think Aaron Rodgers will be just fine. I think the Packers will win, and I think they'll win pretty handily. It's just going to be cold, too, so... If you're the Packers, you hopefully you don't do not play it down to your competition, and let's see if the defense can have any uh, backbone. They should be able to pad their stats. I'm going with the Packers in Lambeau. <coughs> and and so does Lamont. 
All right, you got Washington and Detroit. Oh, this should be a pretty good game. Alex Smith almost led the Washington football team to a comeback victory, um, but he turned it over in last week's loss to the Giants. Of course, Detroit got hammered up, uh, at Minnesota last week on the road. Um, uh, it's going to be close. Uh, I, I assume that Matthew Stafford's going to play as of this uh, podcast. We're not sure yet. I'm assuming he's going to play. Uh, <laughs> the Lions, they trick you one week, and then when you count them out, they they uh, they win a game they're not supposed to win. I think this is going to be one of those games, and they'll get back to uh, crawling back to 500. So I'm going with Detroit at home. It pains me to say this, but I'm your, but you're right, Sid. I think Detroit, they're one of those tricky teams that just when you think, mm -hmm. oh, we are figuring it out, and they'll count them out, then they end up winning a game that's supposed to. So this is probably going to be one of those games. So I pick Detroit, and so does Lamont. Watch Alex Smith throw for like three touchdowns. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Which could happen. Who knows? Um, yeah, it could happen. The Texans and the Browns. Yeah, um, for Fox, I know Lamont's not here, but I'm sure he's listening. Calling that game for Fox would be your old school crew. And Matt Mellon, nice to see him back uh, and healthy and strong. Yep. And Dick Stockton. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know he's loving that. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Of course, Cleveland's coming out there by week. They are 5-3, and 3-1 three, three and one at home. The Texas are 1-3 uh, away from Houston's Reliance Stadium. Of course, they got their first road win at Jacksonville last week. They had to hang on for dear life, but they got it done. Uh, this is one of those tricky games. Like, you know, the Texans have a, a poo-poo record, but they still have Deshaun Watson. Cleveland, no Odell Beckham Jr., but they rely on their running game. I believe Kareem Hunt is back. And you also have, I forget the other running back's name for a moment. That's what happens to you. Have, your brain is scrambled. No pun <laughs> intended. But, uh, but uh, the Cleveland has a strong running game. Uh, Baker Mayfield, you keep the ball out of his hands and, and stick to a game plan. Uh, Cleveland's at home. They should be able to get it done. I'm going with the Browns on a close one. This should be fun. Yeah, this will probably be the one of the most entertaining games in the slate. Mm -hmm. So, But I think since they're coming back from a bye, I'm picking uh, Cleveland. I just think that Cleveland might be sort of like on the cusp of sort of like maybe perhaps maybe challenging for the wild card spot in the AFC. So I think Cleveland, mm -hmm. I think Cleveland will probably win this game. And so as Lamont, Lamont has uh, Cleveland as well. Should be a fun one there though. All right. Yep. Here's the one here in the NFC South. You got the Bucks and the Panthers. Oh, this is a pretty easy one for me. Tampa Bay gets embarrassed uh, on Sunday night in front of the national audience. Antonio Brown made his debut, only a couple of catches, not making an impact. Their offense did not make an impact. Their defense got shredded by Drew Brees and the Saints. Uh, Carolina, uh, as I mentioned uh, on our last uh, episode on Monday, they showed me something. Uh, um, going against the world, defending world champion Kansas City Chiefs, it would not surprise me if they won this game. It's a division game. I think it's going to be a little bit tougher than people think for Tampa Bay. But I think Tampa Bay will be focused. They're going on the road. It's going to be close. But I see the Buccaneers pulling this game out between uh, three and seven points. Yeah, um, Tampa Bay's not going to be in a very good mood. TB, the mm -hmm. other TB, Tom Brady's not going to be in a very good mood. They will keep. I think Carolina will keep it close because I think that they have a lot of fight in them, but I think Tampa Bay will do just enough to pull away late. And Lamont agrees, so he's got Tampa Bay as well. And plus, uh, Tampa Bay beat Carolina early in the season, yeah. right before Christian McCaffrey was hurt. 
Yep. I think he got hurt in that game as well. Yeah, he's going to be out. He's out. He's out this week. So yeah, unfortunately. No, so. so he got hurt in the earlier meeting. So. Well, no, no, he's out. He actually he's actually out this week too. So. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It just got the. It actually came out like about an hour ago on. Um, okay. Yeah. They just they just announced it, so it'll okay. be another tough one there. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> No, no, no problem. Um, we're already in the three o'clock clock ones. Uh, Sid, you got first up. You got the Chargers and the Dolphins. This should be entertaining game. Rookie quarterback Justin Herbert of the, as we call them, the San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles. On this show, they'll be uh, <laughs> traveling to South Beach to take on the Miami Dolphins, who are five and three, coming off of a surprising win at Arizona last week. The Chargers, uh, they poo pooed again about losing to the. Las Vegas Raiders uh, in the last second there with that no catch uh, for the touchdown. Uh, the Dolphins are at home. They got they have the better defense. And Tua doesn't have to do too much, but the, I, I expect that Miami defense to get some pressure on Justin Herbert. With that being said, I'm going with Miami. Well, it's another tough one for me, but I think it's going to be the Dolphins. I think their defense was just enough to win that game. But I'm, I'm done with the Chargers, Sid. I'm done. I, I, I can't. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't deal with them every, anymore. I mean, three. They've lost three in a row. Two of those games that should have won. I'm, I'm, I'm literally like, I'm at my wits end with this Chargers team. Like, God. you giving them their walking papers? I am. I'm giving them their pink slip. See you, Chargers. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Like okay, uh, but then but again, watch Herbert have like his best game of his you know, so far and have like four touchdowns, which could very well happen. But uh, it's gonna be entertaining though, nonetheless. But uh, I got the chart, I got the uh, the Dolphins win that one, and so does Lamont. All right, next up in the A in the AFC West, you got the Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders, the aforementioned. Oh, another division game. Uh, the, the Raiders, as I mentioned, they made that game last week against the Chargers may propel them to a playoff spot eventually. It's a home game for them. The The Broncos are three and five. This, this is going to be another close one, but I just have that sense that the Raiders are ready to turn that quarter. Running back Josh Jacobs, uh, he, he's the goods. Derek Carr, the quarterback is starting to turn around a little, a little bit. Watch out for Rookie wide receiver Jerry Judy for Denver. He had a great game last week at Atlanta. He's starting to come on. Uh, I don't know if Denver has enough firepower to keep up with the Raiders, but I expect Las Vegas to win this game by a close one. It's going to be a close one, I think, since, of course, it's being the divisional game. But uh, I think the Las Vegas has too much talent, and I think the Raiders will do just enough to win that game, I think. And so is Lamont. He also picks the Raiders. All right, this will be a, this should be a fun one here up over in Arizona. Sid, you got the Buffalo Bills and the Arizona Cardinals. This is a tough one for me, and of course, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, that loss last week hurts you because uh, it drops you the five and three. You may be in danger of missing the playoffs if you drop this one to Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo made a statement last week, uh, beating Seattle by ten, even though they dominated that game at home throughout the start. I, I can see the Bills dropping this one after having one of their biggest wins in the last couple of years. Arizona, they need to get back on track. Uh, this is going to be another toss-up game, but I hate making this pick. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to use some logic here. I'm going with Buffalo, even though they're going on the road for a late game. Oh, boy. Uh, this is an any mini mighty mo game for me. Like, mm -hmm. any mini mighty mo. Oh, I have no freaking clue what's going to happen. Uh, but, uh... <laughs> 
But I think, like, but I think, Sid, I think you just said it. I think this might be a letdown game for them. They may look at, you know, Buffalo might look at Arizona and say, eh, you know what, eh, they, they lost a couple in a row. They may not, you know, they may not be, their minds might not be in the game. So, and Arizona needs this win for tie-breaking purposes. They mm-hmm. need to sort of keep pace. So I'm going to pick, I want to, I want to bite the bullet here and say I'm going to pick Arizona. Um, hopefully okay. I won't look like an idiot again. Arizona, Kyler <laughs> Murray, I'm going to be coming for y'all if y'all don't. So I'm picking Arizona, and so is Lamont. Lamont's picking Arizona as well. He'll be a very entertaining. I'm going to be watching that game via my computer because that's a C. Because remember that's a CBS game. Remember because of the Masters. Yeah. So it's only mm-hmm. a single header. So I'm going to be watching this game via my computer. <laughs> <laughs> you, you taught me well, Sid. Uh, Three twenty-five. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Should be a good one here. Well, maybe not. You got the 49ers in New Orleans. Uh, I think Nick Mullins will be quarterback in that yeah. team for the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, who else decides to show up and play? I'm sure they'll give their all. But uh, the Saints have too much talent here. I can see them playing down to their competition a little bit, but they're at home. They have enough talent. I think they'll be able to get it done. So I'm going with the Saints. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Saints, too. If this was, you know, if, if the Niners were in full strength, then maybe I probably would pick the Niners, but since they're not, and I think they want, I think the Saints want revenge from last year, so mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Saints. Also, of course, you Lamont, Lamont picks the Saints as, as well. Well, yeah, we all know why, but real <laughs> quickly, going, yeah, real quickly, going back to that game last year, that was one of the best. Uh, entertaining games of the year. I remember watching that one live. Oh, there a whole lot of scoring. That was, a, yeah, like a basketball score for a second. Like, game of the year, you'd probably say, or one of the games of the year. So, yeah. I'm sure that New Orleans haven't forgotten that, and I'm sure they're going to want to want their revenge. Yeah, That's I don't cool. know if NFL Network's going to do it, but if not, you can look that game up in its entirety on YouTube. Yeah. Um. All right. NFC West, Seahawks and Rams. Uh, the, the Rams, um, they had their bye week. Of course, they lost at Miami two weeks ago, so uh, they'll be ready to go. Seattle got embarrassed, as I mentioned, with Buffalo at Buffalo, 44-34. They're 6-2. Russell Wilson took a big hit in terms of his MVP chances last week. But I, I think he's still in the lead, but his uh, margin is, is now um, uh, decreased just a little bit. With that being said, it's a division game. The Rams really need this one. If not, they'll drop to five and four. Seattle is in a comfortable lead. Not in a comfortable lead, but they're a game ahead of the Rams uh, in the NFC West. Uh, I think this game will decide who will uh, make it to the playoffs or not. If Seattle loses, uh, it'll drop them to six and three. And the Rams will, owe, uh, will own the tiebreaker. Uh, this is an important game. I think Seattle, Seattle, even though their defense got shredded last week, I think they'll do en- enough to win. And Russell Wilson will be the difference on the other side. I have the Seahawks on the road. Ooh, uh, I'm going to pick the Rams. I think because okay. I, know, I know Seattle's going to be very upset from that loss of Buffalo, but the Rams mm-hmm. are coming off a bye. They're, they're rested. Plus, they're also at home. So that's, I think that's why mm-hmm. I that that's that um that front seven for uh, the Seahawks really does still scare me, and I think that Jared Goff will probably have his best game of the season. They haven't really had to you know had to depend on running much, but I think they will probably de- help go for it because that front seven for Seattle is oh, is not very good. 
So I'm mm -hmm. picking. I'm gonna go ahead and pick the Rams. I'm gonna bite the bullet. I'm picking the Rams, and I guess I'm saying that too because Ahmad's got the Seahawks. But it'll be entertaining. Though. I'll be watching this game too via my computer. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming that's not, I don't think it's gonna. No, nah, nah, okay, yeah, that's probably not gonna be the Fox game. It'll probably come on here. Yeah, probably, yeah, it'll be. Yeah, that's a that's Fox's America's game of the week. Oh, so okay. most of the country will get that one. I hope you do get it because it's gonna be an entertaining one. Um, the other Fox game, um, Bengals and Steelers. Let's yeah, let's get Big Ben off the COVID list. If that's the case, I'm picking the Steelers. This should be a fun uh, quarterback matchup. It's a division uh, division rivalry game. Cincinnati has been playing better as of late. Of course, they uh, coming off that victory against the Titans uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. The Steelers are undefeated. Uh, they almost had a gap at Dallas last week, but they barely yeah. escaped Texas uh, the, Jerry's world with that victory. Uh, assuming that Big Ben comes off the COVID list, which I think he will, I have the Steelers uh, in the close one. I do not see this game as a blowout. Cincinnati is sneaky good. They're not playoff good. As we told you throughout the season, they'll be ready to compete for a playoff spot in a couple years. Joe Burrow on the other side, their rookie quarterback for the Bengals. I want to see what he does against this uh, very good Steelers defense. I got Pittsburgh at home. It's going to be a close one. It's not going to be a blowout like I'm sure a lot of people are going to be predicting. I think they're going to keep it close. Not necessarily saying that you know, they're going to you know, play down their competition, but I think it's especially if Big Ben can't play. I know Mason Rudolph's been, you know, very, very, was very good, you know, kind of like pitch hitting for him. But I just, you know, but I just think that they'll, you know, the Cincinnati will, will probably stay in it, but I think the, the Steelers will pull away late. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely be watching that game in its entirety via my computer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on this game too. And also, Lamont. Lamont's got the Steelers as well. Okay. All right, the Sunday Nighter, you got the Ravens and the Patriots. Sorry, America. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know Calais Campbell is going to be out for the first time. I think this is his rookie year. I don't think it's going to matter too much. I know the Ravens have kind of had their struggles lately on offense, but considering the fact that the Patriots defense is not very good this year because of all the deflections from, you know, because of COVID, I think the Ravens mm -hmm. is going to be one of those, even though they did win against Indy, I think it's going to be one another one of those get right games. I think the Ravens, the Patriots will keep it close, but I think the Ravens will uh, pull away late. You know, we went by, I think, like 10, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Lakeen. I'm going with Baltimore this well. I don't think it's going to be a, a total blowout, even though I, I can't see that. You have a matchup of two black quarterbacks with Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. For the Patriots, uh, where's your running game outside of Cam? You don't have one. And on, on the other side for Baltimore, can you get creative and be consistent on offense? I think the answer will be yes. So I have Baltimore winning this one on the road. They are 4-0 away from Baltimore this year. Uh, yeah, believe it or not. So, and also, uh, Lamont agrees he has Baltimore too. All right. Uh, last but not least, the Monday Nighter, Vikings and Bears. <laughs> I, 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 look, I did that intentionally. The way I said it, so I did that intentionally. There's a reason why I did it like that. <laughs> well, we always pick the Bears last, and uh, until uh, I usually go with logic and statistics and facts, but I'm gonna bite the bullet here. Until the Bears show me something, I'm going with the Vikings. Like you said, it's a division game. Anything can happen. Until the Bears show me something, I'm going with the Vikings. I'm going to pick the Vikings, too. I, I think, look, look, like I said, there's like about 100 different scenarios that could happen. 
but half the mm-hmm. scenarios I'm not betting on. <laughs> so I'm going to pick the Vikings just because I trust their offense just more, a little bit more than I trust the Bears' offense. I know the defense, mm-hmm. I know the Bears will get the edge there, but I think it's going to be one of those high-scoring ones. It'll be like 24-20. I think the, the Vikings will pull it out. And so does Lamont. Lamont picks the Vikings too. <laughs> this ought to be very interesting. Oh, yeah. For a lot of – for not just that game, for a lot of these games. So mm-hmm. those are our picks for week 10 of the NFL. So lots of good ones. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it should be fun. As always. Um, going to college football, uh, like I said in our teaser before we took, took our break, everything's kind of up in upheaval because now, um, because now Arizona State and Cal have canceled their game because Coach Herm Edwards tested positive for COVID. And, hopefully um, he'll be okay. Yeah, hopefully he'll be all right. That's the important thing. Um, but also, I guess there were some false positives for Stanford for the game against Oregon last week. So, turns out there was a testing error and there was a false positive. So, the, those three players, you know, unfortunately, I think their quarterback, too. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that, that ended up being false. They had false positives. Look, unfortunately, these things, <laughs> unfortunately, these things happen. And, yeah, mm-hmm. just, it's just one of those things where you just kind of knock your socks off in, in that sense. Uh, as you see, as they've approved uh, December 19th as a makeup date for any games that was postponed. So Auburn, Mississippi State, uh, perhaps maybe Alabama LSU will probably be played during that during that date as well. Yeah, so, CBS is um, they they're throwing in the towel just to be kindly because uh, they respect the big viewership for that game. Now you cannot air that game. Yeah. And also you were hoping because of, you know, of course, the Masters. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, things are kind of sort of like being thrown thrown into sort of up thrown to the wind here, Sid. Yeah, uh, and, that, and we expected something like this to happen for college football because most of these big-time conferences started late. I still think they'll finish the season, but uh, you thought that they were going to go through the, uh, through the season without any or little hiccups. Uh, you were kidding yourselves because we're in the second wave of this COVID-19 right now, and so it's affecting uh, a whole lot of sports, mostly college football. The NFL, too, to a a certain extent, but college football is really receiving the ugly end of it right now. And also, too, Maryland and Ohio State, they were supposed to have played tomorrow, but that got canceled because of a COVID outbreak in Maryland. So we might be we might be seeing more of these, Sid, but uh, some of the games that will be played – Tomorrow, um, Miami, Virginia Tech should be a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should be a good one there in the ACC. Northwestern, Purdue. Purdue hasn't played in a couple of weeks, so. I guarantee you this. Northwest will make it to 4-0. and Yep, yep. Um, also, too, you got Notre Dame and BC. That could be a trap game for Notre Dame, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially after that big win, get, big win at home last week against Clemson. And to stay on the local scene for college football, I know Lamont will be listening to this. Owing to Illinois would travel the Rutgers, uh, travel the Rutgers, who are one and two. Illinois is zero and three. Will Illinois get their first victory of the season on the road in New Jersey? Mm-hmm. I want to say yes, but I don't know. Yeah, that that should be interesting. Um. Okay, Arkansas and Florida, that should be a good one. Uh, Wisconsin and Michigan, I mean, it's going to be at the big house. 
Wisconsin hasn't played in like three weeks, so I'm sure they'll be itching to get back into the game, getting back into it. Um, was uh, Michigan? We'll see where their heads are. If you Jim, yeah, if you Jim Harbaugh, this is I'm not gonna say a give me game, but if if, if I'm not gonna say it's going to be a sure win for Michigan, but if this if this is not a golden plate for a win, I don't know what is. Yeah, because I'm sure Wisconsin's gonna be very rusty because they haven't they haven't played a game in three exactly. weeks. So this could be one of those wins where you kind of one of those sort of get right games if you're a Michigan, if you're a Michigan fan. And of course, uh, uh, um, staying with the Big Ten, the battle of winless teams, and you could say both of these teams are very disappointing starts. But 0-3 Penn State travels to Nebraska to face the 0-2 Cornhuskers. I'm shrugging my sh- – you guys see this? I'm shrugging my shoulders because I have no clue what's going to happen <laughs> this, this game. <laughs> I mean, both you – know, look, their fan bases, their coaches are looking for their heads. So we'll see who can win that game. I'm sure that's going to be one of the big noon, ga- big noon games, I believe. So uh, sorry, yeah. Fox viewers, if you get the – That's on FS1, so oh, not okay. too many people are going to watch that one. Oh, okay, yeah. So they probably won't watch it. But, uh, yeah, um, that, that uh, Notre Dame-BC game is almost like – like about 27 years to almost to the day that BC upsets Notre Dame at home. Um, not at home. They were on the road. So I'm not going to say it's going to happen this year, but they felt mm-hmm. like they may have missed the opportunity beating Clemson. And this could be one of those games where I don't want to say that Notre Dame is going to be a letdown game for them, but I'll just say that Notre Dame should be on upset alerts. But uh, Yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, the big noon game for Fox this week will be TCU at West Virginia. Hmm, okay. Interesting, the Big 12 there. Um, at least that's what it says on my big TV guide. <laughs> yeah, 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 that, yeah, that sounds about right. So, uh, yeah, uh, the Big 12 here, you know, looks like maybe Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, you know, can't wait for that game in a couple of weeks because I think that's going to be probably the, the big, that could be, could be for the Big 12, I think. We'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, some some interesting games here in, uh, what, week 11. And there's already word that maybe they, they might delay the college football playoff, you think? Because <laughs> No kidding, right? <laughs> yeah, because of everything going on. And some states, you know, they might be on lockdown again. So I honestly don't know what's going to happen here. But uh, it's going to be one of those. We've got to wait and see, I guess. Yep, we just have to wait and see. Also, uh, one other game that of note before we move on. Actually, a couple of games uh, for college. Uh, Saturday night, three and three, Arkansas. They travel to Gainesville to take on the number six ranked Florida Gators, who are ah. four and one. And then to number eleven, Oregon travels to Washington State. Uh, shout out to uh, Kayla Anderson, friend of the <laughs> show, uh, facing uh, Washington State, the Cougars, who are one and zero. Oh. Yeah, got a nice win against Oregon State last That game will be on Fox on Saturday night. This Saturday night are on Fox, so that should be a a fun one there. I'm sure Kayla's going to be cheering for her Wazoo Cougars, so it might be a good one there. We'll see. Um, Also, number two, also, uh, uh, speaking of giving uh, colleagues shout-outs, shout-out to Shea Pepler, uh, her alma mater, the Indiana Hoosiers, ranked number 10. They'll play Michigan State on Saturday morning on ABC. Um, uh, Indiana's 3-0. and Michigan State is 1-2. Should be an interesting one there, too. I mean, I know she's excited for her Hoosiers, and I know her her, her husband, Jordan Cornell, I'm sure he's excited about his uh, Irish. So, um, I'm yeah, sure I don't know you've been on social media all week, but you, you was talking a whole lot of trash oh, after yeah. last week's oh, win. Oh, I saw, oh, yeah, it was I saw fun, that. Though. It was fun. 
It was fever. He kept it fun. He kept it light and fun. It was annoying, which is a good thing, because I would have had to. He also, because I like him too, because I would have had to slap him if I didn't like him so much. Him and Mike Gola Jr. both. I mean, they were they were both just merciless <laughs> last week. I'm like, you you lucky. I like you guys. <laughs> also, Brady Quinn too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, some fun ones and also some weird things happening. You know, Boise State actually was able to uh, the blowout Colorado State, even though they lost mm-hmm. 14 of their guys to COVID. So, but they were able to blow out Colorado State last night. So, uh, gosh, Sid, I mean, COVID is just, you know, throwing everything kind of like in a, in a spiral. And we'll yeah. see. We'll see if they can finish. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right. And do you have our Masters update since we have a couple minutes left? Uh, Tiger had his best first round. In the in the, in his master's career on Thursday, yeah, I'm kind of like what I'm seeing. I don't know what he's doing right now. He he's playing right now as we speak yeah. in the second round. But as I always say, if he if he makes it to Saturday, he has a great chance on Sunday. Of course, he's the defending uh, masters champion from last year. We had saw, we all saw that great comeback that he story that he had through all the injuries and the, of course the stuff off the course. We're not gonna get into that. But uh, it was a great redemption story. Can he dominate once again? But uh, he has a lot of challenges ahead of him right now. Got to set it up right. I got to set it up right, Sid, (laughs) with the master's music. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be very interesting, especially since, you know, we know game day is going to be in Augusta this year because of, Mm-hmm. Because of you know this being in November, um, your leaders right now a couple of twenty somethings. You got Amber Answer from Italy, and you got Cameron Smith from Australia. Those are your top two. Oh, not our Cameron Smith. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally different Cameron Smith. <laughs> I don't know how his golf game is. Rim shot. Uh-huh, but I don't know how his golf is, but yeah, this this was gets Cameron Smith from Australia. <laughs> they're they're tied at the top right now. Justin Thomas, uh, Dustin Johnson are tied for second. They're finishing up their rounds. You got Danny Willett and Tommy Fleetwood, a couple of Englishmen. I know that Sir Nick Valdez is gonna will like that very much. Uh, we've got three of these. Patrick Cantley, Paul Casey, uh, Phil Mickelson has got a couple of these. Justin Rose. Um, Louis Oosthuizen, also Ricky Fowler, um, Tiger uh, parred the first hole, so he's still at four under. So yeah, yeah. So um, the cut line right now is at minus one. Is I think it's like I think it's the top fifth, top sixty in ties, I believe, because of the way it's all set up. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so weather won't be an issue, so that's that's good. But also, um, interesting of note though, CBS has announced that if it goes over, you know, t- after two thirty our time, it'll be going to ABC, which is because of the partnership with ESPN. So sort of yeah. a special programming note there. But uh, I mean, Tiger is still well within distance right now. We'll see how he does the rest of the round. But um, some some good names at the top. Yeah, like I said before, <laughs> you're the golf expert, Lakina. I'm not, but like I always say, I think Dustin Johnson will be right there. But I'm wanting Tiger so bad to make it to Saturday, and then if he has a great Saturday, he'll definitely be right there on Sunday. In a, a you, if you're CBS, you're really hoping for that. Maybe we'll have a Dustin Johnson Tiger Woods um, matchup once again. Oh, a 
should be. Oh, that'd be a fun one. Um, Bryce DeChambeau, for those who are, who are asking, he's at minus two. He just parred the first hole. He's in the second hole right now. And it's interesting, mm -hmm. too, uh, Sid, because, you know, they're doing split tees. So some guys are starting over at Amen Corner, which God help them. But, uh, yeah, so it's going to be mm -hmm. very – the whole setup's going to be very interesting because of it being November, and then, of course, the, the days are shorter. So is CBS having other programming coming in? So if you're CBS, you hope that things kind of go out without a hitch that, you know, there's mm -hmm. no, like, you know, sudden death playoffs or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, you definitely do not want to be playing in the dark. You don't have lights. This is old-school Wrigley Field before 88. <laughs> you don't have any lights. We'll be playing in the dark. <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, should be a fun one. Like I said, you know, it's going to be nice all weekend. So weather will not be an issue. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting. So we'll have an update for you on Monday. <laughs> also a couple of college hoops notes here, both Cameron indoor and DePaul have all said they're not going to have any fans this year. It's going to be very different looking over mm -hmm. at Cameron with having no, with no one being there. <laughs> it's going to be very weird. Some of these are And Coach K won't be yelling at them. <laughs> you'll actually be here. You'll actually be hearing Coach K yelling at the players, actually. So exactly. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a very weird. We didn't get a chance to uh, go get to this with Brooke, but you know, it's going to be a very weird dynamic with some of these stadiums. I, I don't know what's going to be over at Fog Allen or Rupp down in Kentucky, but it's going to be very weird not having very limited, if not no crowds at all. Yeah, it's going to be weird, but as we always say, is it all comes down to money at the end of the, of the day. Hopefully, if this COVID situation lightens up a little bit, maybe by March Madness time and conference tournament time, you'll be able to have limited amount of fans in these stadiums. It also could definitely helps in the in the revenue too, because a lot of those programs mm -hmm. really need it, especially now with the Ivy League saying that they've canceled all their their mm -hmm. sports for November for uh, winter, so. It's going to be very tight. All right. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Uh, just real quickly, Kenna. Oh, uh, yeah. We had, yeah, we had to give our tribute to uh, Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago. The news came out earlier this week that that program has been canceled by NBC Sports Chicago. Of course, the, the situation we're going through right now with this pandemic, uh, advertising dollars are not there as as it once was, obviously, before this pandemic. Of course, uh, our good colleagues and friends of this show, Matt Peck and Alana Techauer, they sent out their messages thanking the fans for supporting uh, uh, that show over the past couple of years. Thanks to NBC Sports Chicago for putting that program on after the Bulls Post Skate Show, which is hosted by Jason Goff. Uh, we're working on getting him on this program, uh, hopefully uh, very soon. Uh, it was a very interesting program to watch. Hopefully they continue with uh, digitally in uh, in or podcast form uh, in the visual in the future. Also, shout out to David Watson and John uh, Sabine. Yeah. Uh, they were also a part of that show as well. They brought uh, great content uh, to Bulls fans over the year, the last couple couple of years. So, and I actually tweeted that to, uh, to our good friend Matt Peck. Uh, you know, sorry to hear the news, but hopefully you guys. Uh, can continue, so I think they will continue. They have a big enough following, and uh, and they they are a big outlet for Bulls fans to uh, uh to go to to uh, voice their opinions about the team in red. Right, and with the the Bulls actually might be confident again. You got a confident coach, you got a confident front office now. So yeah, I, I have a feeling we haven't seen the last of Matt and. John and Dave and Alana. I, I think I think you'll be seeing them very soon. If not for like as a whole 
their own like you know YouTube's channels and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So and the content is there, the following ways there. I think I think you'll be mm -hmm. hearing. I think you'll be. They'll be back. I have a feeling they'll be back. Yeah, it sucks that we won't be seeing them on our televisions coming this winter and spring. But like you said, they have a big enough following. And I'm sure they'll find a home somewhere and just create something like what we're doing right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so I, th I think they'll they'll be fine. I think I think Matt even said like stay tuned. So maybe mm -hmm. that's what's gonna happen. Who knows? We'll we'll pass it on to you once we get that news. So, but once again, say what are you looking forward to this weekend? Big sports. Uh College football, a little bit. Like I said, I'm guaranteeing Northwestern will go four and zero. Maybe they'll play Indiana in the, in the in the Big Ten title game. We'll see, but I know it's too soon to claim that. But we'll we'll see about about that. Of course, action on Sunday is some very interesting games there, especially in the late window, and of course that Bears poop on on, uh, on Monday. And I know the NBA draft is coming up. We'll discuss that more in our next episode. And we have a surprise for you in our next episode. We'll have Terrence Tomlin and Eugene McIntosh from It's the Bigs. We'll have them on during our show in our next episode. We'll get into uh, all the topics around Chicago sports. And then so those guys, we had Terrence in studio last year. Like, you know, he, he was great, of course, uh, working with the Dan Davis show. Now that Davis show, we had them on um, numerous times in studio. Those are great guys. They really – um, um, putting their feet into the ground of covering Chicago sports from a different angle. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be great having them on, on the next podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to, like you said, college football, of course, the NFL, a lot of great matchups. Also, of course, the Masters could be Gonna be kind of weird. They'll have it on in November, but we'll see who you know. Can Tiger emerge, or Dustin Johnson get his first green mm -hmm. jacket, or maybe Phil? Phil might. Phil might have something to say about. It. He might get his third. So, who knows? Uh, or fourth? I think. I think it'll be his fourth. But yeah. So it's mm -hmm. gonna be fun. It should be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to get the guys from the big you know, I'm looking forward to having both of them on because we only had Terrence on. So. You know, yeah. we'll be able to have both of them on, you know, covering all types of topics. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So you guys look out for that. But also, you know, let's just for this podcast, too. Our, our thanks also to Brooke Rice Broad from ESPN, cover a lot of things, mm -hmm. you know, hoops related, also her secret collection. So, you know, we had, it was a great show, Sid. Yes, it was a great show. I uh, can't, uh, can't wait till the next one as we bring you this hot content. And uh, things are going to get interesting. Like I said, the NBA, we all know there's the 2021 season now. Of course, there's always uh, things to talk about with the Bears and uh, college football. Hopefully, Northwestern will go forward and oh, as I uh, guaranteed. <laughs> and so it should be a lot of fun. And on that note, you follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena is going to be on the IG. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, that's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can go to WeAreRegalRadio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L Radio.com to find our podcast articles and other special features. Uh, War Media, uh, as far as our podcast are concerned, including Second City Sports, just simply search for War on Anchor. Wherever you download your podcast, that's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you search for War on Anchor. Also, we on iHeartRadio. Download that iHeartRadio app, please. And search, type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R -R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R -R Media. You can watch our podcast as well as, as, well as listen to it. And also you can see our lovely faces. <laughs> 
Ta-da! And also, yo, make sure <laughs> make sure you like and subscribe and tell your friends. So we gotta get those likes yes. up on the on the YouTube channel. So yes. you know, tell your friends. So for Sid, I'm Lakina. Be safe out there, guys. Keep your hands washed, you know, wear your mask properly and be good to each other. And you know, we'll be right we'll be back on Monday with more second season sports zoom style. Till next time. Holla! <laughs>